good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Everything F1's podcast. I'm James Tiller, and we have my, my colleague and co-star, Coops. Say hi, Coops. Hello. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't got Sponge today, uh, due to a little bit of illness, um, so we wish him well. Um, let's just get on with our podcast for today, and let's talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix. First off, let's let's do our little 10-second reviews. So, Coops, give me your 10-second review. Uh, it was a good Grand Prix. It wasn't a classic. Some good strategy helped Mercedes to win. Some good wheel-to-wheel racing with uh, uh, Verstappen and Hamilton, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I, I completely agree. Here's yeah. my 10-second review. I thought it was a, you know, it, it was continuing the run of form that we'd previously seen. Um, it was a different race completely um, to the, the, the previous three uh, in that it was mainly strategy-based, but it was exciting and it was uh, uh, just a different a, just a different race, but still very interesting um, that way. <sighs> well, I think that was more than 10 seconds, both of us. I think we uh, milked it a bit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we done well. We, uh, we, we stretched it. <laughs> we, well, do you mean we just gabbled on? Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, Coop's formation yes. lap. What yeah. have you been up to this week? Uh, absolutely nothing. Well, that's a complete lie. Uh, I've uh, I've been just working away, uh, watching the Grand Prix, obviously, just uh, taking it easy, catching up on any of the headlines and stuff for the for the site. But uh, nothing exciting, really, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yep, and same for me. I've, uh, you know, it's, it's kids' holidays still, so doing lots of things with the kids, going out, parks, you name it. <sighs> We've been there. <laughs> We've, you know, pushed, pushed mm-hmm. people on swings for pretty, pretty much three days straight. So it's, 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 it's been a fun times, but mainly, mainly focused on the kids. Apart from obviously the time that I'm at boring old work. Uh, and then, of course, obviously the Grand Prix and everything that surrounds it with the site. So yeah, been a been an okay week. Um, not boring, but just you know normal, normal yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much the same mm-hmm. for myself. To be honest, just normal. Okay. Well, let's go into the paddock talk then, which is the basically the race review. Um, and well, how how, how do you want to go about this? Should we should we start from the rear? Should we talk about the the two slowest cars of the day? And that would be the Williams. Yeah, yeah we'll It's difficult actually because it's not actually Williams at this this time. Um, it, it's kind of Haas uh, as, as they've got a DNF. Um, they're the only ones to have a DNF during the race with Roman Grosjean. Um, for a change, he uh, <laughs> he did one of his his usual things and was just well just non non-existent in the race really. Do you think he's going to have have that seat for much longer? No, you know the, the you look at the the issues in Germany. His teammate comes up the inside of him, he turns into him, bounces mm. off him, then shouts in the needle, what is he doing? <laughs> right, aye, okay, no bother, pal. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that Magnussen's much better, but, you know, Grosjean, he's been in the, the sport now for about 10 years, I think. So, yeah, he has. it's about time that they move on. I think I think one of the biggest problems that Haas have is their driver lineup. Mm. So they need to be a bit more inspired with their drivers. Uh, and do something a bit different. Uh, yeah, I agree. And to be honest, it's, nothing's going to change within Haas until one of them goes. It's clearly not working, mm. no matter what kind of spin they put on it. That they're friends and getting, they're getting on all right. No, they're not. Mm. And they don't have enough respect for the team because they keep just not doing what they're told and not listening. So there will be a change. And 
I don't think Grosjean will be there. I honestly don't think. I'm 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 not surprised at all if the whole lot of them go. See if they change their driver lineup completely. Wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Grosjean goes, and they keep Magnussen. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they keep Grosjean and get mm. rid of Magnussen. It's just that thing. I just think that there there needs to be a change. Yeah. Well, K K Mag is just as much to 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 blame over over Grosjean really. Uh, in a, in a lot of the incidents. Um, especially the one in the in, in the in the German Grand Prix when they came together, it was kind of six or one and a half dozen the other. It's uh, Grosjean was mm. trying to to give him kind of room to go around, but then he's got to come back on the driving line at some point and uh, turned into to, to Magnussen. It was it was just expected. Put him off but, the track. I, think. I mean, Magnussen Magnussen wasn't that far behind to be honest mm. when he came up the inside of him. So you know. I don't know. I think there's just a bit of... I don't know. It's. It, I don't know what goes in their heads. If Gunter Steiner tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, so they're obviously not... They're not interested in listening to Gunter Steiner. And if you don't want to listen to Gunter Steiner, there's something seriously wrong with mm. you. must be some sort of sociopath if you think I'm not scared of Gunter Steiner. <laughs> uh, but for has to make the next step in their progression up the grid, they have to do something... With their lineup, they can't keep it the way it is. It just won't work. Mm. And it's clear that for a couple of years now, their car is is a fickle car. They just can't seem to get it to work. Very narrow margins. Yep. If you there needs to be a drive, uh, there has to be a driver in the team that seems to understand how to get things to work. Mm. And they too don't. Whether the whether it's just that it is narrow margins or whether I mean. If you had somebody like, let's say, Alonso in that team, now I'm not saying for a for a minute Alonso's going to drive for them, but if you know you had someone with the kind of racing smarts as Alonso in the half mm. team, they could have worked it out. I don't think that's they're not feeding back enough. Gro- Grosjean's not f- completing enough Grand Prix to to give the feedback. You know, he's he's, he's crashed he's crashed out. Well, that's it. A lot of times, and he hasn't. Y- He's, he's, he's ruined a lot of free practice. Yep. You're not going to get any kind of data to help you out if you're either spinning in the pit lane, mm. spinning under safety cars and going out a race, or, as you say, just not getting enough, just not doing the right things in free practice. Mm. They're not reliable enough. No. Uh, they're not able to race within the rules of engagement uh, with your teammates. There's no, there's no positives keeping them in the team mm. so they shouldn't be in the team and again they were largely anonymous within the race yeah uh, well Roman Grosjean had added DNF and Kevin Magnussen uh, was 13th um, again obviously outside the points um, I, I can't really remember them in the race uh, mm. doing anything too dramatic or exciting no again, I mean they were, they were there uh, I don't think he, he, he I think he qualified quite low down so he didn't really progress that much up mm-hmm. if at all uh, Grosjean retired where I think it was a water pressure problem or something uh, yeah. with his car uh, uh, but again wasn't no. particularly doing anything anyway so uh, so pretty disappointing for the Haas team to be honest but some news from the Haas front in terms of their sponsorship um, is that they should have some kind of movement with their sponsorship on the car by the next race um, um, so hopefully that means they'll, they'll come out in their previous colours or they'll just have some black tape over rich energy or something like that but there's news has come uh, from from the team that it will be sorted i think it's pretty clear what's going to happen uh, 
And I think it makes sense that they're going to do it over the course of these next few weeks because mm-hmm. as far as, from what everyone understands, Rich Energy no longer really exists as what it was when they signed that contract. So in my limited knowledge of contract law, if the company you sign a contract mm-hmm. with no longer exists as that contract, I'd imagine that the, there wouldn't be a contract there. Well, should we move on then? Should we move on to our, one of our favourites, Williams? Yeah. Oh, the Williams team. Um, the Williams team. Uh, you know, Kubica is in his, his usual place at the back, three laps down um, at the end of the race, which you were saying mm. something earlier about his confidence in the car. I don't think he has confidence in the car. I don't think he's happy with the car. I don't think he can do what he wants to do with the car. We'll touch on it in a minute, but George Russell managed to fling that car mm-hmm. round into 16th place, which is amazing for Williams, considering they were nearly three seconds a lap slower in Australia and looked terrible. They were slower this year than they were yeah. last year. and oh, It was it was just looking bad, and Paddy Lowell, even before Australia had even started, you know, it was... Uh, it looked bad, but they've, 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 uh, as a team who were as bad as they were at the start of the season. They've just went, right, we've got it wrong. They've just knuckled down and just went, right, what's the problem? Let's try and sort it out. Let's get it fixed. And slowly but surely, they've managed to pull themselves to the back of the rest of the pack. And to get that mm-hmm. close to the pack and then getting back into the pack, albeit just about with Russell, is, a, is an unbelievable you know, piece of work for them. You have to say that they've they've done. They, they've just came out and went, "Yep, it's gone wrong, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, f- we'll figure it out." And they're starting to. They're getting there. They've worked the car out. They've seemed to have worked out the kinks for it, and uh, they're getting there. You know, would there have been close for George Russell? Kind of... Obviously, we'll talk about his qualifying lap first. Um, you saw, you actually saw the, sh- the sheer look mm-hmm. of shock on Claire Williams's face when he pumped that quick lap in i think at this point uh when she when you saw the shocked face from claire williams in qualifying uh, on the telly he was actually in 15th position and he just got knocked out of the last uh the last you know couple of seconds of the mm-hmm. of the quali- qualifying session um so for a minute you know you really thought he was going to be a, a q2 um qualifier um yep. and that would have been absolutely amazing he was only just obviously just about knocked out uh, at the last yeah, and it was only a few it was only a few tenths that knocked him yeah, out it, it was wasn't like they get flung out by a second or two or anything as well so mm. yeah you know he he, he done really well they're showing that they can do it yeah absolutely but you know the only guy to be lapped three times in the whole race was Quebec. you know I put up on the page my mid-season report card for Williams and I'll mm-hmm. continue to do the rest of them and hopefully get them all done by the time we get into Spa but you know I gave Quebec an F because and and I didn't like saying it and I did someone commented on it on the page as well and uh, and I wrote it in the my article that I don't want to say that it failed and I don't want to give him an F but I can if you look at the stats and you look at how he's not progressed you can't not I can you can it's I I, I I I loved it when he was coming back and he was doing his testing with Renault I loved it when he got picked up by Williams as a test driver I thought that's a great idea bring him in for the, a year as a tester like mm. put like, and from what reports have been said throughout the paddock Kubica has a very very good technical mind and he's very good at you know bringing back data and talking to engineers about cars brilliant great mm. idea to have that in a Williams team. Uh, 
And they obviously saw something. Now, I don't want to be completely cynical and think that part of it was purely the comeback and a feel-good factor for him coming back is w- and not really as much about the data. Mm. But there must have been something in the testing environment that made them think that they could do it. But they've got them into race trim. They're doing the race weekends. And all I can really think is that he's just physically not able to drive these cars. Because they are big lumps of machinery. And he's just physically not got the dexterity. Maybe it's to do with the arm. Because he doesn't have that dexterity Mm. anymore. Or... You know, I'm not medic. I'm not a medical physician, so I don't know for sure. But he was a better driver mm. when before his accident than he is now. Absolutely. And with all the stats in front of us, he's he's. I mean, he got he's got a point for Williams purely because it was the German Grand Prix and everything happened in that race. Yeah, he was just the winner in that lottery that day. You know, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. I, I agree with, with what you say. It is a shame. Uh, and it gets me kind of angry as well because there is only 20 seats in Formula 1 mm-hmm. and he's taken one of them up and he shouldn't be. As simple as that. And that may be the harshest thing I can say and people might not agree with it and think I'm being too mm-hmm. harsh. But I can only go by what I'm seeing. And he's the only guy in the Hungarian Grand Prix that was lapped three times and it's not the first time no. this season that's happened. Uh, and then when you've got George Russell, if George Russell mm-hmm. was 20th... It, is it... Is it- Obviously, there's a key to um, point out, and I, I know you've probably got an answer for this, but he's not, he's not getting the updates that George Russell is getting. Could that be part of the problem? Well, maybe it is. That's why George is 16th. But then at one point during the re- during this re- this season, he complained to Williams that George Russell mm. was getting the better chassis. So they went, right, okay. So they swapped out the cars. They gave, they put the, they changed the pedals. They put in his steering wheel and they put in the seat mm. in George Russell's car. And George Russell went out and. Kubitz's mm. chassis and beat him. So uh, that's it. There's no that there is not an argument. Okay. Yep. George Russell's a Mercedes guy if if that's the way you want to put it and George Russell's getting it. But then if you look at all the stats, George Russell mm. is beating him. So why wouldn't you give him the, the upgrades first? Because you're fa- he's your more consistent yeah. and he's your faster driver. And the faster your driver is, the more data you're gonna mm-hmm. get with your your new parts. So I, if I was Claire Williams and after the second or third Grand Prix of me thinking, wait a minute. It's a consistent, there's a, there's a pattern mm. here, you know. George Russell has beaten Kubica in every single Grand Prix qualifying. Kubica cannot catch him mm. back up. He's already beaten. So, of course, I'm going to give yeah. George Russell all the updates. Well, I mean, that's, that's quite a quite big uh, lump on Williams. Uh, we obviously, we all want Williams to be doing well. You know, we, we they're a British team. Um, we, we're a wholly British page. Um, and we, we, we like to see our teams doing well. But... um. It's just unfortunate that they're not at the moment. Um, but they are. They yep. have knuckled down, and they they are, you know, giving giving the best with George anyway. Um, and they are reaching, as you say, the the, the back of the pack and kind of tussling with the, with them as well. So yeah, that's 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 Williams. Let's go on to the next the next yep. team then, which was, well, it, it's technically Alfa Romeo with Antonio Giovinazzi because he was uh, he finished 18th, but. Actually, the, his teammate did did quite well in in his Alfa Romeo uh, and came seventh. So there's kind of a mm. quite a big disparity between the two Alphas as but well. But it's a very binary re- result, very binary for Alfa Romeo, which doesn't mm. usually happen. It doesn't happen very often. But yeah, Giovinazzi was very anonymous in this race. I don't remember when I watched it, you know, him popping up or him doing anything. I don't think mm. he really he went anywhere. He just kind of was there, really. 
I think he's been quite anonymous the whole season, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. completely honest. Um, I don't really remember him from any of the races. No, yeah, I think he's... Um, he's... Whereas his teammate, obviously... Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen is Mr. Dependable. You know, he's just going out, no pressure on him. He's just getting that mm. car. I mean, I think the question you've got is, is the Alfa Romeo better than Joe, how Giovinazzi's driving it? And is and it should be more in the top 10? Or is it is, is Kimi doing more than he should be with the car? I would, mm. I'd probably say that where he, where Alfa Romeo are sitting when Kimi's in the car is probably where they should be. Because there has been hints, there's been small hints that Giovinazzi can mm. do it. But, you know, then you have this race where he's, you know, he's in 18th place, he's pretty much anonymous. And then Silverstone, mm. where he just gets his breaking point wrong or whatever it was and spins into the gravel. Which helped, because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have had much mm-hmm. of it as an exciting race. Uh, and it wouldn't have... Uh, the, the Hamilton haters of the world saying that Giovinazzi done it on purpose to get the safety car out to help Hamilton. You're into the, the whole tinfoil hat brigade with that one. But he's... Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a shame. But, as you say, he's, he has been pretty much anonymous most of the year. With the occasional, oh, oh, Giovinazzi's in 10th? Oh, all right, okay. Two laps later, <laughs> Giovinazzi's in the gravel. Ooh. They're certainly not focusing him on, on him at all, really, no. are they, on, on the TV? So he mustn't be doing too much. That's very, very exciting. But, as I say, he's, you, you talk about his teammate, Kimi Räikkönen, and he's popped up there in 7th. What a race he ah, had. He had a good race, but again, it's Mr. It's Mr. Consistent. He, he tends to do that. He keeps them either inside the top 10. He's doing this year what Leclerc done last year, where mm-hmm. Leclerc would just pop up and fling that the Alpha into 8th, ninth, 10th, you know. He's just getting on with mm. it. Kimmy's just being Kimmy and doing what he wants to do and driving the car the way he should drive it. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I mean, I don't remember Kimmy doing much in the race again, but again, it was one of those weird kind of races where it was there was enough there was enough going on to keep you interested, but there wasn't a lot going on, <laughs> really. Yeah, it wasn't wheel to, it wasn't wheel to wheel racing. It was more of a, a strategy kind of race, yeah. kind of an interesting chess game, I suppose. Yeah, there was it was a lot of bit the wee bit of chess and stuff. Again, I think Hungary's all is mm. very been is very much like that anyway. Is the type of track it is. But you had a couple of minutes, and we'll touch on it mm. later on. We've got we with the out with the Toro Rosso's having a wee tussle, and we had a and with the Max and Lewis up front they had a couple of laps well kind of wheel to wheel but again it wasn't your silverstone type wheel to wheel and it wasn't there what there, and then if you go to germany there wasn't a lot of action all down the field it, as you say it was mm. more about strategy calls and uh, things like that so but you know kimmy mr mr dependable he's doing exactly what he's been brought into alfa romeo to do no more no less he's just doing what kimmy yeah. does okay well we'll move on to our next team then which is racing point lance stroll finishing in 17th position and then Sergio Perez just outside of the points in 11th again pretty anonymous in this race yes do you remember anything from Perez Stroll's been anonymous all year apart from Germany uh, no I, 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 I read something later on uh, I, I, that apparently it was it wasn't aired but apparently Albon had had a bit of a, a bump with Perez near the end of the race which is how Albon passed him Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. Just I just came, I came across something that there was uh, that Perez wasn't happy with Albon's aggressive, you know, passing manoeuvre near the end of the race. So oh, okay. I don't know what it was. I haven't had a chance to to look at it yet. But 
So there was something. Mm. I don't know whether it was missed in the TV broadcast because of, you know, they were too busy letting the crowd wave in or something, which seems to be a good in thing these days. But, I mean, other than that, and again, that again it epitomises this race. I didn't know about that until I read it in an article or heard it mm. saw it online, that there was a... There was something. So it was. I mean, your mind boggles how the race director could miss somebody bumping into somebody at that race, yeah. to be honest. Because there wasn't that much action to miss. You could miss something like that in Germany, where, you know, you're trying to focus on one thing and somebody else spins off mm. and you don't know where to look. But Yeah, they, they, but they were very much uh, focused on the front, yeah. the front two, weren't they, in this race? It was. I, I'd say, actually, that the, the, the yeah. coverage probably wasn't displayed as, as, as well as it could be. For this race because it was solely max and uh, and lewis and kind of where was lewis in comparison to max how far is he ahead how far is he behind you know what's the, is, the, is the gap closing it was it was all about that which was entertaining to watch but it didn't give us the full picture of the full race like you say we'll move on to scuderia toro rosso then um we had daniel kvyat who finished in 15 and then his teammate alexander albon as you just mentioned uh just got past Perez uh, and scored a point in 10th place for Scuderia Toro Rosso. They had a really great wheel-to-wheel battle. Um, I think it was on lap 20. It was lovely to watch. Oh, really, really, really nice racing. Really good. And it was corner yeah. after corner after corner. It you was like... good to see because, you know, Albon mm-hmm. is a rookie this year. And you just, you, when you watched them do wheel-to-wheel, you were kind of, at least while I was watching, thinking, oh, he might just do a wee wrong thing and there goes a wheel or there goes a, a wing or something, but no, they gave each other exactly the right amount of space. Kvyat was allowed to. Uh, as far as I remember, it was Kvyat that pushed yeah. Albon wide uh, at the corner. Completely allowed to. He was. He had the line. If you're going to go around the outside, the driver on the inside is going to drift off and take the racing line, so there was not an issue there No. Uh, with that one. It was fair, it was hard, uh, it was lovely to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was good, and, and it, and it was nobody given an inch. You know, he wasn't. Albon was was standing, you know, standing his ground, and he was doing doing well. Obviously, he ultimately lost the place, but he didn't he didn't give it up. He didn't. Yeah, it was just, it was just good good racing, really really in, in, interesting racing for a, a good lap. I think it was it was it was a, an extended period of time where they were at each other. It was, it was nice to see them giving each other the respect, but also racing hard, um, hard enough to kind of make it entertaining for us and and it, as i say the, the the track here in hungary is notoriously hard to pass anyway you know so you know more power to kvyat for his eventual overtake really um it was yeah really really good to see really, I, I was really happy with the performance from the scuderia toro rosso team have we got anything else to say about the scuderia toro rosso no, team? i think the reason for kvyat being in 15th i think there was i think they made a slight bad strategy call i think that's probably the only way they could do it i think they put him out i, th- I think he was one of the ones that came in quite early Early on, which as it came to near the end of the race, they had to jump into the pits again, as far as I remember, right. which put Kvyat down in 15th, which mm-hmm. is a shame because as you were kind of talking about the battle, they looked like they were doing well. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see them finishing kind of closer together, but it's all about the calls and stuff, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but that that, that car, the Scuderia Toro Rosso car, is 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 pretty decent really, and I, th- I think that uh, battle is going to be quite interesting in the second half, I think, um, between uh, the Toro Rosso yeah. um, and the McLarens, and maybe even the uh, the Racing Point as well, and Renault, of course. I should shouldn't forget Renault. I think one of the biggest things that will come out from the mid table battle or 
Formula 1.5. Every team from Claren down to, to Haas probably, maybe not even Haas, I think they're kind of getting cut adrift a wee bit, but all these mid-table teams, if you look at 2008 with Ferrari and McLaren, mm-hmm. and run about that kind of two, 2007-2008, they, re- they developed their car right up to the very end of the year because they were in such a close mm-hmm. battle, which meant the following car's development was really poor. So which team out of that are going to end up developing too much because they need to push it to try and get that position within the midfield. Mm. But then next year's car is a step behind everybody else because they've not put enough resources into that. That'll be quite an interesting one if you see, uh, you know, that someone who's take has taken the has took the eye off the ball with the 2020 car because they were so focused on pushing the 2019 car to get that to get up. But to in fifth, theory, the, the 2020 car is not actually going to change. It's, there's no regulation changes for 2020. It's it's just the development of this year's no, car. No. So I think everyone's just going to be developing what they've got. They're not going to. There's not going to be huge. Well, unless you're maybe a Williams team. Um, there's not going to be any huge overhaul. Of, of, of concepts I think it's going to be pretty much just developing and, and, and kind of advancing on what they've already created this year so yeah, it's a, an, an, evo, an evolution mm. rather than a, a, mm-hmm. a change really so maybe the maybe that won't have as big an effect then but I'm already really excited for next year. Uh, this this is this is exactly why I'm really excited for next yeah. year because the, those uh, mid-table teams can only get better and can only develop uh, more. Mm-hmm. Williams can hopefully catch up with the at least the back of the pack uh, of, of those mid-table teams and. Yeah, I think we're going to have a real battle on our hands. Obviously, we've still got half a season left now. We are going to have an entertaining half of uh, last half of the season. But I do think uh, it, it's it's pretty so, uh, pretty conclusive that Mercedes will probably win the the, the championship, or uh, and Lewis Hamilton will probably win the, the drivers' championship. But you know, it, it's yeah. still going to be exciting and and it's going to be very interesting to see how it happens. Next year is going to give us well. I, I'm going to touch lots of wood here. You can probably hear me tapping in the background, but touch wood. We're going to have uh, mm-hmm. some some in really interesting races next year. Uh, I, I'm really already excited for it, and I'm already I'm really excited for the second part of the season as well. So, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting how next year shapes up. And I think for the first time ever, I'm going to ignore the not I'm going to mm-hmm. watch the preseason testing, but I'm not I'm going to ignore the results because in winter testing this year, Ferrari look dominant they look like they brought a really good package they've they evolved on 2018's car which arguably was mm-hmm. a championship winning car if it wasn't for certain mistakes by you know Vettel in Germany mm-hmm. and the other one uh, that he'd made throughout the year and Hamilton just well mm-hmm. being Hamilton you know it should have been a hell of a lot closer this year's car is just is uh, I, you know you get quite angry mm-hmm. with Ferrari because they promise so much and you think oh we're going to have a battle and then you realise quite quick oh well Maybe not, we're not then. Okay. You know, we're, we're sitting at Hungary and there's Hamilton with 60, was it 62 points to his teammate and 69 yeah. points or something from mm-hmm. Max Verstappen and there's Vettel in fourth. I mean, really? So they promise so much and just, and I'm not for once saying that this season's a write-off because it's just been uh, a one-team a one team game, really. But you imagine, if, I mean, if you imagine the last three races, four races or so since uh, mm-hmm. that race that shall not be mentioned and... We've not really had a bad race, maybe, you know, we've not had a race like, I'll have to say it, like France. We've had races that are 
or mm. your kind of standard Grand Prix fare. They've had enough to keep you interested and in, to watch, but then we've had some really exceptional races, and then we just had France that we everybody should forget about. But you imagine how exciting this would be if Red Bull had a car that was good for the start of the season, if Ferrari had the car that's a, yeah. it, it, it promised as much as it did in pre-season, and then Hamilton mm-hmm. and Bottas were fighting amongst each other. I mean we wouldn't know where to turn you know no and it really it does annoy me like it annoys me when it just when things promise so much and it doesn't happen mm. i agree you know hopefully next year because they'll have this will be the second year of two mm. where they've had pretty much the same car with this slight evolution to it that everyone's going to make before we move to the hopefully the new regulations but again that's not even been confirmed that that's going to happen in 2021 it would be a massive PR disaster if it <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen. But again, arguably the Formula One teams have far too much power with the running mm. of the sport as it is anyway. But I mean, that's a discussion Absolutely. for later on. But, but in short, uh, Toro Rosso, to summarise their, their race, uh, yeah, they did well. They, and they had some really close close racing. I'm quite happy with the two boys uh, in the car. And Daniel Kvyat should have yep. actually scored some points there. But due to a, a, a late kind of pit stop and uh, maybe a, maybe a, yeah. a touch bad strategizing from from the team uh, he was down in 15 uh, instead of showing the true potential as uh, where he should have been in the race so we'll move on to our, our next team uh, of Renault yeah uh, and they were actually very close to each other uh, Daniel Ricciardo in in 14th oh place uh, and Nico Hulkenberg in 12th place <sighs> that Renault car it's an absolute dog isn't it uh-huh. I mean if, if you compare it For to a works team yeah, they're comparing it to the the, the McLaren that's that's the further, you know performing really well and actually taking it to the front of the the, the mid mid table teams. Mm. They're they're uh, how how can that same engine? How can they be so bad at, at what they're doing? I read somewhere that apparently it's the, the design apparently the, the the angle of the the front wings is so low and they've designed the rest of the car around how low the low point of the the front wing so any adjustments they make to the front wing means that any of the rear aero aero parts on the car no longer receive the air that they were designed to initially have so it's it's a full concept disaster basically that's a flawed design that's a flawed Mm. concept absolutely because what's happening there then is if you change the front wing that the aero for the rest of the car doesn't work that's it. So they've got the really wrong. So that that unstables the whole. That unsettles mm-hmm. the whole car. Well, that's and then I mean they did have reliability issues at the start of the season as well. Where was yeah. it Bahrain where both cars retired a lap away from yep. each other for two with two mm-hmm. different issues for a works team. The amount of money they've apparently put into mm-hmm. it, it's horrible. And, and you know Formula One need Renault to work because they they're a team that could leave. They, they do it all the time. You know, oh, we're not doing very well, right, right, we're okay. And then you're down to three manufacturers, which for Formula One is just not good enough. Uh, Again, that's another, you know, that could be another discussion, but uh, pertaining to the race, I mean, they were... The cars were horrible, mm. you know. It, it came out apparently today, I think, on the Formula One dot, uh, website. Hulkenberg didn't have the right pace because his engine was stuck in safe mode, which <laughs> I'm sure has happened before at another race this mm. season. I think they need to do some sort of control-alt-delete or yeah. something with that car, or, you know. Uh, but, uh, they you need know, to wipe the slate they, clean. They, they updated to a new version, a new software, and it didn't work. Mm. Right. But... And then Ricardo, he uh, he qualified quite low down because he he made a bit of an error with you know trying to get clear air at the for his qualifying yeah. lap. Ended up having to come off the throttle, which yeah, meant okay. that he was 
sector, and then he took engine penalties. But uh, I think he, he started was it twentieth, I think, because he took he, he took some engine penalties, which was a, yeah. a strategic thing. Teams will do that. Gets an extra mm-hmm. components into the pool because he's taking his penalties, but he yeah. never went anywhere. You know, you have if you put like. Bottas and the McLaren, and you put another car in there or something, you put another car in there, you know, that's a wee bit further forward, you know, up up the grid, shall we say, or should be up the grid. They'll cut through the pack and maybe they'll end up somewhere in the mid-pack, maybe they'll end up in the points. He went from 20th, finished in 14th, but for a large portion of that race, he gets st- and I mean, he finished behind Magnus, and he was stuck behind Magnus for a long, long. Well, let's just say the only person racing that he fin- finished ahead of really was George Russell. Um, so you know, we, we we're talking with obviously Daniel Kvyat was in between the two, but we we talked about Daniel Kvyat having to uh, yeah. have a bad strategy. So really, the only person ahead behind of him, behind him was the Williams Mercedes team, which obviously have got the the poorest car on the the grid, really. So it's, yeah. Uh, not good. It's not 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 looking good. For there needs to be a. Apparently, Saturday after the qualifying, Ricardo came out and said they had a meeting. All the Renault engineers had a meeting, and they kind of cleared the air. So has there been some issues backstage? Yeah. Is is the engineers not happy with the way things are going? Is, I mean, it has to be frustrating for the drivers, especially. Ricardo, who's made this big money move to yeah. Renault, it's a kind of longer term project to see you know, where he's fighting and what he's doing and to get lapped by, you know, Max Verstappen in the car that he would have been driving who's yeah. and it's winning races. It must be frustrating. It must be frustrating for the same for Hulkenberg as well. Cause, so I don't know where they go from here. Uh, you know, speculations out that, you know, Hulkenberg could be going. I think Cyril Abitable made a comment that they are looking at all options and not mm. just Hulkenberg for 2020. I mean, is he already going? Is, is he not already going? You know... I think Hulk would be good in, in Haas, maybe. I think so. He'd be a, he'd be a solid driver in Haas. Because he's got the experience that they thought they would get. They were getting with Grosjean. Um, obviously, Grosjean's not performed for them, so they need another experienced driver to kind of develop a car. And I, I, th- I think I think Hulkenberg would be a good match Put for Ocon Haas. in the Renault. Ooh, I, 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 think Ocon is, I think Ocon is destined for Mercedes, if I'm completely honest. Ocon and Gasly in the Renault. We'll see. <laughs> that's, that's that's for our silly season Put podcast. Ricardo in a Mercedes. <laughs> See, this is silly. This is really silly. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm saying these things because I want people to, li- to listen to the silly <laughs> season podcast. So, you know, I, you know, I do. I, I could see Ricardo maybe going to Mercedes. I could see, you know, if if Mercedes want to really, really push the boat out, you could buy Max Verstappen <laughs> out of his contract and put him in a Mercedes. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely whet the appetite, wouldn't it? Uh, Max Verstappen and Hamilton in the same machinery. Oh, that would be fun. But we can all dream. We can dream. We'll dream. We'll dream as we move on to our next team. <laughs> Do you see a segue? Uh, we'll move on to the next team of probably one of our fav- our favourite teams, McLaren. Um, obviously, we're talking about the we're talking about the Renault uh, engine being actually not too bad. You know, the team that's making best use of it is the McLaren team, um, and they just must be a million times better at aero packages. Yeah. Well, I mean, than, Hungary, the, Hungary the is a known as a chassis dependent. It's more of a chassis circuit than a power circuit. Mm. So they really have, they, they seem to have got a really good package that complements the Renault engine quite well. Because it isn't the fastest engine in there. I think you're, you're kind of looking at it being maybe even the fourth fastest if you look at how well Honda's doing just now. So they're, if they're not in front of Honda, they must be alongside Honda roundabout. 
because uh, I think everyone agrees that the fastest in a straight line is Ferrari with Mercedes slightly behind uh, and then it's between Honda and uh, Renault but they've just got they, they've stabilised the ship I mean McLaren for the by the time with Honda it just wasn't a good fit they, they, it was a PR disaster they brought in that Andreas Seidel from or Seidel uh-huh. from Porsche. He seems to be a particular. He seems to know his stuff and know how to do things. He's. Do you think? Do you think they're kicking it? No, they're not because McLaren wouldn't do. Wouldn't have worked the way that Red Bull and Toro Rosso worked with Honda. Because mm. Toro Rosso, when Toro Rosso had the Honda engine, it was a case of this is your year. Do what you want. If we end up taking 20 engines, that's fine. They just, they kept it behind closed doors. They used Toro Rosso as a testing bed. They went, right, work it out. Honda made some changes to help and complement and they they changed the way to work. But again, if McLaren had kept things behind closed doors rather than having Alonso shouting GP2 mm. engine and, you know, embarrassing them and even, even as a cultural thing, you know, Japanese people as a culture don't like that kind of embarrassment. They don't that's not how they work. They're a very proud people. To, so to have that tarnishing their name and their, you know, it's not how it worked. I mean, last year Toro Rosso's car wasn't overly reliable, and they took a lot of components. But at any point, did you hear of Toro Rosso or anyone else come out and complain about Honda? No. No. They kept it in house. They kept it quiet. McLaren never going to be a manager that would work. If if McLaren was structured similar to Red Bull, then yes. But McLaren wanted the Honda engine in and wanted it to be competitive the first day that it was put when it was put out. Okay, nobody expected it to be as bad as it was. But you don't get any progress by standing and lambasting each other and shouting at each other in the press or in or having your drivers do whatever. I mean, I think. I don't know whether Alonso just had too much power within the team or he was too well respected within the team or nobody was brave enough to go and say to him, Gunny, shut up. Uh, if you want to complain about the engine, fine. Do it in the driver brief. Yeah. Do it behind closed doors in the motorhome. Don't shout over the radio. This is the slowest car I've ever driven. What does that achieve? Nothing. So it's, I don't think they are. I just think it was a bad marriage. I think the structure was wrong. I think the, the mentality of it I think McLaren had an idea, an opinion, and a, a plan which didn't match into Honda. Honda had their way of doing it. It was never going to work. And I think that the, everybody's found a kind of the best way to work it. And I, I had it in my head when they were like, we're going to get Renault and Toro Rosso are going to take on Honda. And then when it came out that Honda was moving into the big boy team, I just thought they're going to end up with a good engine. It's going to click. Because they just work, they complemented off each other. You know, I can imagine mm. Honda maybe coming to Red Bull or even Aston Martin or whatever yeah. and saying, look, right, we're kind of struggling with this point. And then Red Bull going, right, okay, let's get a couple of our engineers over. Let's see if we can work it out together. You know, what's the data saying? What's this? And, you know, sitting in a room and banging your heads together and working it out. Whereas if that were to happen at McLaren, somebody would have been going, it's mm. not good enough. And it, we're all in the press and they should be doing this, this and that and that just doesn't achieve mm. anything. So I'm not surprised that Honda have found it and have managed to get up the front and, and won races with, with Red Bull and are doing well. They've got a nice good package with Toro Rosso as well because I think they just, they done it exactly the way that it should have been done from the start. And it's all, it's McLaren's it's McLaren's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's yeah, not, not McLaren's fault because I don't think that Honda are blameless. Uh, I think they've used the mistakes with McLaren mm. and changed it, but it didn't help the situation, and I think... They, I suppose they've got yeah. a lot 
McLaren have the, the Honda have got a lot to be thankful for for uh, for McLaren actually because you know having Alonso in the car he would have been given at least decent feedback um, obviously amidst criticism yeah. and uh, and whatever so they they have they've got, they've got to kind of thank McLaren for for those uh, was it three years development with, with I mean with, uh, yeah. yeah. They, they had some sort of development mm. and they had Alonso who would have put some things back out with the kind of vitriol mm. that came out of his mouth. And also, not to not to say, I mean, the thing as well, having a year with Toro Rosso with the, with the Honda engines, and they would have been told at the start of the year, right, you're taking Honda, don't worry about what happens, you're basically testing it because we're going to take it next year. Because I would imagine Honda already had an agreement to go into Red Bull the year before it was announced. I would imagine it was all, you're going to go into Toro Rosso and then you're coming over regardless the mm. year after to Honda, uh, to Red Bull. Because that uh, relationship with Renault and mm. Red Bull had broken down beyond repair anyway. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, they had that card and they had a year's worth of development and looking at the data and working things out. And, you know, I would imagine the Red Bull big boys would have been saying to Honda, right, see if you change this wee bit, maybe change your ideas. And they've moved a lot of people over to, mm. to the UK, which they never done with prior to that. And so, you know, that's invaluable stuff. But again, I just think that it was just the wrong environment. I think McLaren expected yeah them to come in and just be brilliant straight away which not with this type of engine I mean it's different back in the day when McLaren Honda were bad because it was just an engine <laughs> now it's a power unit with components and complications and you know different thing uh, so I don't I don't think it would have ever worked with McLaren under the, the way that they had it set up uh, uh, I think they found a nice a nice a decent engine with uh, uh, with the Renault partnership with McLaren mm. just now. They've got a good structure with Cyril. They've got a very good driver pairing who actually seem to like each other and are, they're all pushing in the right direction. They finished in this race. Uh, Lando Norris was ninth and Carlos Sainz which, who did an, an excellent job um, during the whole race uh, finished in fifth. Um, so some really good points for him. Ten, ten points yep. to take home for the McLaren team. Um, that, so that car is looking... Another good solid bit. set of points. Mm. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good for now. I think next year will be quite good because you know Norris will have a year of learning because we need to remember as well Norris, as much as he's driving like he's a veteran, he's took to Formula One like a duck to water. He's still yeah, a rookie, absolutely. so he's got certain wee parts of his driving that you know he seems to be. He, he's very good at beating Saint in the qualifying yeah. or being with him at qualifying, but I just he's just not quite got it on his racecraft, which again that must come to. That must come with just experience, and and he'll be further up the grid next year. I think it'll be nice. It'll be very a, a good mouth-watering battle between those two. I think with the evolution of the McLaren cars for next mm. season, uh, and we're a year under his belt, understanding how it works. Yeah. Uh, and I, I honestly, I think if McLaren play it right, they could have a driver pairing that can stay together for a good mm. number of years and and be good together. They're two. They complement each other with experience, and they like each other enough, so they give each other enough respect. That's until they they meet each other properly on track until they've got the the always competitive car. Let's let, let's see well, what yeah. let's see what it's like when they they go head to head a bit more. Um, obviously, you know, it, they may well may very well be best of friends, but I, I think yeah, as as the car becomes more competitive, they're gonna they're gonna become yeah. It, it drives oh, yeah, yeah. drives teammates I mean, it, apart, it, isn't it? Competing it's, for the it's same. All, it's all very fine margins, isn't it? The first time that somebody makes a mistake and takes your teammate out, that could you know change the dynamic completely. Mm. But you know, at the moment, they're coming across as you know as uh, as, as BFFs. good friends. And, 
Uh, it's definitely yeah, BFFs. Eh? They're, they're working well together. That's that's that that takes a lot of problems away from from Seidel. You know, he can focus on the development of the car rather than having to spend a lot of time managing his drivers. Instead of having two halves of a of one team, you've got one team. That's part I think of development yeah. and getting things right, with, especially within Formula yeah. One anyway. Uh, Everything's going very well. They're, they're, we're slowly forgetting about those three years with Honda, and it, it may also just show you exactly, you know, as much as we, are, as much as I respect Alonso as a driver, maybe there is something to be said about him as a, you as know, a person. A, as somebody you have to manage within a mm. team. Yeah, and the way that he worked as a team. Because I mean, I, I, I loved Alonso, and I, I loved some of the things he did over those three years. But you know, when he was with Honda with McLaren, but. You know, it got to a point near the end of his time there where I just felt like, you know, is Alonso going to shut up? Stop mm. it. We know, everybody knows the car's just slow. Just, we don't need you to remind mm. us. I think he just, he, he he started to outstay his welcome a wee bit, uh, I think, by the end up. And it's nice to see McLaren having drivers that are happy and just doing their thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, uh, McLaren are awesome. Uh, if, if the listeners don't already know, yeah, McLaren are my team. <laughs> I don't tend to follow one specific driver, uh, but it's been McLaren yeah. for a number of years. Not that I'm biased or anything. We try not to show a bias. McLaren! McLaren! <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to our next team, uh, the unfortunate Ferrari. They were third and fourth, which sounds like a, an amazing result uh, until you look at the actual finishing time. Uh, 60 okay. seconds back from the race winner, Lewis Hamilton. Yep. So third for Sebastian Vettel, fourth for Charles Leclerc. He was, uh, it was, it was the other way round, um, albeit for the last two laps. I think it was um, when Seb obviously had, I think he had a bit more life left in his tyres, a bit more desire, yeah, to, to be on that podium. I think, I think, it, yeah, I think it was more. It was definitely tyres from what I know, uh, what I remember. I don't remember much of the Ferraris because, as you say. Leclerc finished 65 seconds behind the leaders, mm. and Vettel was 61 seconds behind them. Uh, and Le- I think Leclerc got lapped, as far as I remember. Uh, no, he didn't. He was just about to get lapped, uh, according to this. So, But he may well have done, because the race started and the Ferraris went backwards. Yeah. We had an incident in with Leclerc on the third corner. Leclerc was battling with Bottas. Uh, Bottas was uh, yes, overtaken. Right. Yeah, it was probably the only talking point with the Ferraris, to be honest. Well, it was Leclerc's rear wheel. His left rear wheel clipped the front wing of Bottas, which pretty much ended Bottas's race. Uh, he ended up in the pits a few laps later because the vibrations from the flat spots from the first corner for Bottas vibrated the, the, the slightly damaged wing to the point mm-hmm. where it needed changing. Uh, initially, when I saw it, uh, I thought Leclerc could cut and cr- cut over, and was a bit, it was quite a violent kind of touch over uh, to the left in front of Bottas. But then uh, I think I saw it online. I don't know where I saw it, which made me look again. But Bottas actually kind of either he either straightened the steering or kind of drifted mm. over to the right slightly because the overhead angle. I'm actually watching. I've actually got the highlights for the Hungarian Grand Prix in the just now, and just before I was, we were got into that, we were, I saw it, and it, 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 if you watch it, and any of the any of the listeners can go back. If you look at the from the head, the overhead view 
Bottas, as you can see, the edge of the track got wider. The gap between the edge of the track and the car got wider just as Leclerc clipped him. Why he done that, I don't know if he was coming out so that the angle for that wee left-hand kink wasn't quite as severe, but it wasn't quite as... If you saw it from the in-car view, you're like, oh, Leclerc should be getting a penalty. That was a bit harsh. But then when you saw it from the overhand, it was... Uh, I think the race directors got that, or the race, uh, the stewards, uh, got that one right. Uh, I think Bottas needed to... I don't know if he was quite aware how close Leclerc was or didn't realise he'd come across as sharp and he kind of opened up or whether, as you said, before we kind of started recording, it was kind of a racing incident, but certainly another race that Bottas should forget. And that's not going to do well for Bottas the second half of the season because that's two mistakes in two races which have put him in a position where he wasn't able to help. Not, mm. as we'll discuss, not that Hamilton really needed any help, but as your number two driver, you need to be there or thereabouts. It didn't have such You'd a big impact the same as... to be performing. Yeah, the other thing as well is, I mean, <laughs> it, not to... Bottas, Bottas not being there wasn't as big an issue as Gasly not being there. Because if Gasly was up there, Verstappen would have won the race. Uh, but again, we'll get on to the Red Bulls shortly. But, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for his own mental strength coming into the next race he's bought has to need to be better than what he was not nothing to do with the championship i, I mean we all i think we're all kind of pretty much resigned to the fact that hamilton is more or less going to to win it out with some gargantuan screw up mm -hmm. uh, i think is the word that chris uh, that horner's used it's i mean it's hamilton that's going to win it we all know that it's who's going to come second who's going to come third how close can verstappen get to him you know who's going to win the midfield you know it's so there's still plenty to to, to come mm -hmm. but it's Bottas should be better in a number two car he shouldn't have been where he was and he should have been quicker at getting up the field I don't think he really progressed quite as well as he should have done and I don't know if that's the track or whether that was him or whether that was the you know the tyres mm. but he's in a Mercedes for goodness sake so he shouldn't have finished eighth even with that and he was lapped you know he shouldn't get lapped but he was lapped and Bottas frustrates me but as you as we spoke about beforehand he does but the thing that you know, the the question mark for next year is, is it Bottas, is it Ocon? Now, I don't know if the listeners will agree with this, but what does, Ocon, what does, what, what does Ocon bring that Bottas doesn't already do? What, I mean, what if you're going to change your driver, it's because you think they're better than what you've got. Mm. But what, what I, I mean, did o, Ocon didn't set Formula 1 alight before he ended up having his year out. He was okay. He had his moments. But you could say that by a lot of the drivers. So it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a very tough one because they've got two drivers that are very similar. Do they just want to freshen it up, mm. just for freshen it up sake, or do they want, or do they think that Ocon? Because from what I know, Ocon is doing stupid amount of hours in the simulator, and maybe they're, they're seeing the data from that to think mm -hmm. maybe he could do something in Mercedes. But I don't think there's that big a gap between Bottas and Ocon. It'll be interesting to see what decision they decide to go with and why they've went with it. Uh, I mean, Bottas will be a very good driver for another team. Mm. You know, he'd be good in Renault. He'd be good in any car because he is a good driver. Mm. Is he just what we want to see in Mercedes? I'm not sure. Toto uh, has said if, if the decision is made that Bottas does go, we want to give him a parachute. 
so it's got a soft landing somewhere. Um, and the only place I can really think that they could give would be Williams. Um, but also Bottas has said, well, I'm looking for contingency plans anyway. So will he have approached mm-hmm. Renault himself? Um, I, I absolutely think he will have approached Renault. Um, so it just depends whether he wants to stick with the Mercedes engine uh, and go to Williams if he's told he has to he has to leave, or whether he wants to try another another team. Um, the only problem I see of that is the fact that it is the Renault team, <laughs> um, and yeah. you know Williams could come good. You never know. Yeah, but you've got to think as well with Renault. They're a works team. They're always going to have something, and I know that I've well, we spoke about them in this season. It's just not working for them. But you would like to think that next year they, they know what their issues are with their car, mm. and for next year they'd have the money to fix it. You know, Williams coming back up the grid is always going to take longer because they're limited with their funding, whereas Renault have a bit more money to throw in at a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's like the three bigger teams can do if something doesn't work, so they throw money at it. Whereas the smaller teams can throw a bit of money, but it's kind of you know it's maybe takes a bit longer. They can't throw mm-hmm. quite as much, but. You know, I think if you take away maybe Red Bull and you take away Ferrari, I think Bottas could probably walk into pretty much any other team on the grid. Not McLaren, because McLaren have already confirmed next year, so they're out of the equation. But there's at least one seat free, I would imagine, for pretty much Mm. every other team. Because we don't know where Seb's going to go either. So, you know, for Bottas, I think he would have options. And I think he would be a very good... I don't think I don't think his stock has been damaged enough with his performance in Mercedes. I just think because his benchmark mm. is Hamilton, he was always never going to. I mean, nobody's ever going to expect Bottas to be as good as Hamilton. Uh, I just would expect him to be a bit closer. And this race kind of showed that. I mean, he should have cut through the 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 the, the cars a lot better and the traffic a mm. lot better. And he got lapped by the, the driver that won it. Nobody wants to get beat by their teammate, let alone no, exactly. lapped by them. Uh, so it's not, it, it wasn't a good race in that respect. It wasn't a good first lap, which pretty much killed off his race. Uh, but as I touched on previous... Yeah, well, we were actually talking was... about Ferrari, uh, <laughs> which got us on to Bottas, because obviously of Charles Leclerc, um, his, his tangle on the... On like the on the first lap of the race, so should we summarize? Should we summarize Ferrari's race now? Um, and say, what what did you think about Ferrari? Well, what is there to say? They're sixty five seconds behind the first two drivers. That I mean that that says it all. Mm. That that is the number version of their season. They were sixty five seconds and sixty one seconds behind a Red Bull. And a Mercedes. Uh, whether they would be that far behind if it wasn't for the fact that Hamilton and Verstappen were pushing each other and the pace was quite but fast. Also, but the track. The track is more of a uh, more of an aero track rather than a than an engine track. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, it negates the fact that they have the best engine. Yeah, I mean, it negates that fact that they do have the fastest mm. engine on a straight line. But for a Ferrari team. Uh, is aero package to be that bad to be that far behind? That's uh, mm. that's worrying. That uh, there seems to be a fundamental flaw with their design of the car, or uh, development of the car. I mean, we've mentioned it before. There's a fundamental issue with what seems to be a fundamental issue with the mm. Renault team, 
coupled with a bit of reliability. You can kind of see that mirrored with Ferrari. We're in a chassis circuit, they're 65 seconds behind. In Germany, they had two separate issues which uh, didn't help them for the race. It ended up coming good, but if it was a dry race, they would have been way down the order. So there's there's fundamental issues within a team that shouldn't have these issues. <laughs> you know, mm. they 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 should have built on last year's last year's uh, car. Yes, okay, there's slight changes to the aero designs and stuff for this year, so it's not as much of an evolution as mm-hmm. it maybe wanted. But it's Ferrari. It's Ferrari. They should be better, and they weren't. And and it's ruined the season. Gets me angry. <laughs> well, we were so hopeful that in the pre-season when we were chatting, we were like, yeah, this is Ferrari's year. This is going to be it, you know. And after the pre-season testing, it it, it, yes. it looked like that, that was going to be the case. But come Australia, it was the same old story. Mercedes off into the distance, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I have no doubt that the Ferrari will perform better at the likes of uh, Monza, uh, even Spa, um, I, yeah, I, th- I think they'll be back, uh, hopefully within seconds of the uh, of, of the leader. Hopefully, maybe even in in the lead, just to make it a bit interesting. Um, so track specific or Ferrari. Spa's going to be quite interesting because last year Spa, the Ferraris beat the Mercedes on pace uh, last year. It was probably the only race last year where you know Ferrari just bet. Mercedes mm. uh, and won the race uh, I mean if this doesn't happen this year that would give you an indication of exactly where Ferrari are they've, they've fell back there's mm-hmm. no denying that because they haven't even won a race this no. year and the problem I mean, I'm mean, i not thinking they're not going to win a race but I'm, I'm, again it's a similar situation to the way that I, I think about the hash drivers I don't mind if all both the drivers go or one goes and the other stays I wouldn't be surprised with anything. And now I wouldn't be surprised if Ferrari mm. don't win a race. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they did win a race. I'm just surprised by how they seem to be so far away from the Mercedes. Mercedes haven't got it that right no. for them to be that far back. And to be the fact that Max Verstappen could all could is his ahead of them and could keep them mm. and could stay ahead of them. You know, it's it wasn't a good race for them. Yes, they came third and fourth. Looks good on paper, but it's it wasn't. Uh, it's a very disappointing yeah, absolutely. way for them to finish mm-hmm. the first half of the season going to the winter break. Okay, well on that bitter disappointment, let's move over to uh, Red Bull Racing Honda. Um, Pierre Gasly finished in sixth mm-hmm. and Max Verstappen finished in second. I, I feel wait, the way we should address this really is just talk about Pierre Gasly first um, and then we'll just talk about the, the, the battle between the two because we've spoken mm-hmm. about Bottas now as well. Um, maybe maybe we just t- t- yeah. if we, t- we, we, we talk about yeah, we'll Pierre talk Gasly about Bottas, yeah. um, and then we'll just talk about the battle of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and I'll cut all this crap out, don't worry. <laughs> um so yeah, so let's let's move on to to Red okay. Bull Racing and first let's talk about Pierre Gasly um, who finished the race in sixth place. Disappointing again because he was at one lap down, a lap down from Very his, his teammate who performed excellently. Um, and Red Bull, they they want him to perform. Yep. They they you know they 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 really want him to be where he's supposed to be. But unfortunately, I don't I don't think he's rising to the challenge. 
He's not, and uh, and Red Bull need to take a lot of the blame for that because they were forced into bringing him up because Ricardo moved, mm. and they admitted he's up he's up, he's up earlier than we want him mm. to be. Fine, okay, that that can only go so far as an excuse mm-hmm. for Gasly. Gasly lost that race for Verstappen because Gasly should have been the wingman. Gasly should have been sitting behind Verstappen mm-hmm. in second place because he's in the car that's up at the front of the grid, and then all it needed to do was hold Hamilton up for a couple of laps till he burnt out his tyres. And then Verstappen could have got enough of a break and enough of a distance in front of him that Verstappen could have held on to that lead. Because it was only, what, five laps from the end when the when the mm. old leads changed, which we'll discuss in a minute. So, I mean, Gasly is, should have been the wingman. He should have been there to keep uh, Hamilton back, as we've seen mm-hmm. good number two drivers do numerous times. Gasly is putting a car that should be in second in sixth <laughs> place a lap down. It's just not good enough. He's making too many silly wee errors, like at the end of the German Grand Prix when he has that wee bump with, with Albon. Uh, I think he, he did he not put the car into the yeah. into the wall in practice. I'm not sure if it was this one, it was Hungary or if it was uh, Germany, but it's just not good enough. He's mm-hmm. not doing what he's there to do. I, I don't think he'll go midway through the season. No. Although it has been officially denied that they'll do a mid-season change, and we all know what happens when it's officially denied. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I don't think it will happen. I think it's. I think it's pretty genuine this time. He'll he'll see out the season, and then we'll see him next year in the Toro Rosso. I think. And I, I and I think the only reason they would do that, I think that's Red Bull's way of saying, look, we made a mistake bringing you up too early, so we're giving mm. you the season. See if they brought him up, and they actually thought he was ready, and he performed like this. He wouldn't have lasted to the Hungarian Grand Prix. But I think they've realised we made we mm. made a mistake. He needed another year. But because they just keep going through all the drivers and the driver programme, they didn't have any else, mm. really. And they were never going to put Kvyat back in the Red Bull team without him being in Toro Rosso mm. for a year after canning him like they did the last time. So, you know, nah, it was uh, Gasly should have been there to hold uh, Hamilton up. Be the rear gunner. Uh, you know, it's like, I need my wingman. Oh, wait a minute. Goose? Oh, hold on. He's a lap behind yeah. in the sixth place. Never mind. Not good enough. So, not good enough. Not good enough for Gasly. He'll be enough. in a, a Toro Rosso next year for probably a year, depending on his results with them. That's how, that's my prediction, anyway. <laughs> and that's. And he might do brilliant in, in Toro Rosso. He might go back to Toro Rosso and be in no pressure on him. He's in there, and he just does what Kvyat's doing this mm. year, and just go out there and have fun. But I doubt that would necessarily be the case because I think if he goes back to Toro Rosso, he'll be under pressure on himself because he'll know that he might not have a drive by the end of that year because it's Red Bull. You know, they're 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 very ruthless when it comes to their drivers if they're not performing the way they want. Maybe they'll learn from their ru- their old ruthlessness. Uh, maybe yeah. they they'll be less ruthless and maybe they'll be a bit more they, well, they, encouraging they, they and supportive. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. No. They, they won't be, you know. And Lance, and I, and Lance Stroll is a, it'll come out and be a Formula <laughs> One driver. No, it'll not happen. No, because I mean they they get they've got rid of Dan Dan Tictum because he's not performed the way they expected mm. in the Super Formula. Uh, so he's not even long. He's not even in the the Red Bull driver program. So if, if they've done that to yeah. him, you know, I'm sure uh, Gasly will get cut quite quick if they feel not that he's performing in the Toro Rosso as well. He's a uh, Mm. Not performing the way they want. Okay, well let, let's let's talk about now about the two leaders. Um, initially, it was Max uh, for from mm-hmm. from having his first ever qualification on pole, uh, the the one hundredth driver in Formula One to 
get pole position. Uh, Max got off the line quite quickly. Um, he did did well uh, for for quite a few laps. Was mm-hmm. was holding the race, uh, being pretty dominant. But there was he just couldn't shake Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton was stuck to his back. They were like two no. opposite opposing magnets, kind of stuck to each other for a large portion and percentage of of, of this race. Um, we we saw some close battles early on while the tires were mm-hmm. still. You know, pretty. The tires, tires were still pretty young. It was really good to see Hamilton giving Max some, uh, pushing Max to his absolute limit, but also respecting him enough to to kind of give him space, uh, and ultimately not get not getting, yeah. you know, shoved off the track by Max uh, and causing too much kind of damage or spinning him off or something like that. You know, he gave him respect, but he he kind of gave him space because he knows what Max is like for making sharp turns um as it were uh, and kind of hard blocks mm. um, yeah. to keep kind of the people behind him or or get past people um he's got a bit of a, a bit of a, a reputation has max um <clears throat> so yeah they, they gave each other plenty of room a uh, lot of respect uh, and and some pretty decent racing um throughout the middle of the race i think it was it was it lap 36 when it came to a bit of a head yeah, I think it got close around about 36, 37, 38. I've got oh, okay. it. It's actually on the tail of the now. Uh, and we're on, on the highlights that I've got in front of me, we're on lap 38 and Hamilton is 0.8 of a second behind. So that it was kind of around about the, the kind of late 30s, early 40s yeah. that we had the initial battle, uh, which Max Verstappen did brilliantly well, you know, cutting through the traffic. He just put the car mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be put. And then eventually Hamilton had to back off. I think it was more... Uh, what came out at the end of the race, actually, was that the the Mercedes cars were nursing a rear brake wear issue. So they had to watch what they were doing with that. Because he was I, so close to Max, uh, he wasn't getting the, the cool air to, to, to cool his brakes. So the brakes were yep. r- really hot. Uh, and that's, that's you know why he was told to just set back for a bit. It's, you know, we've still got... 25 laps left or whatever it was at the time um there'll be there'll be another another opportunity later on but at the moment we need you to call your brakes uh, and then a kind of a call was made i think it was on lap 39 or 38 can you you know lewis can you can you close the gap as much as you can to max verstappen um who was in the lead um and then they made what was you know this absolutely amazing call that nobody was expecting at the time. Uh, pit box, 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 and uh, he goes in, uh, comes out. I think it's 21 seconds behind Max Verstappen, but on fresh medium tires. Um, so it was a, a bit of an inspired move that even Lewis Hamilton himself yep. was questioning at the time. Um, it, I mean, it was funny that because you had Hamilton questioning whether they should have went into the pits over the radio, and you mm-hmm. had Max Verstappen going over the radio, questioning why they never went into the pit, which was, <laughs> which was quite, it was quite an interesting one, but it was, as you say, it was a brilliant move, it was inspired, I'm not sure of the, 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 the chief strategist's name, uh, I've seen him uh, on James a, uh, for Mercedes, James Vols, I mean, he's the man, of, uh, yeah, uh, the, I mean, there's a team of strategists that go over numbers and they look at data and stuff, but he's the man who made the call. It's his, he's the final say on strategy within mm-hmm. the Mercedes camp, and it was his decision to uh, to say, right, bring him in. They they mm-hmm. had a free pit stop, so they were in second anyway. If it didn't work, they're still going to get second. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's no issue there. But it was a case of come in and you've got 25, maybe 30 laps to bring in, you know, to bring in a gap of 21 seconds, 20 seconds. What transpired was, you know, they said over the radio to Hamilton, Verstappen's tyres are going to go at around five laps to go, and then it's not, it'll be the last lap. And, you know, and Hamilton's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, is it? And, well, it, it ended up being an inspired move. And it it, it was it mm. was the kind of race, if you forget the, the Bottas side of the garage, it was the kind of race that Mercedes needed after everything that happened in Germany with the 50-odd the second pit stop and Bottas ending up, finally, you know, putting it in the wall and Hamilton spinning and... He got a couple of points purely because of a couple of penalties at the end up. And effectively, for for most team standards, especially Mercedes, it was an awful weekend in Germany. To come back and make that kind of inspired call, and a call that there was no way that Red Bull could never have countered that because he came out and he was... I think within one lap, because they told him it was hammer time, and within one lap, he was under 20 seconds behind, and it's a 20-second pit stop. So as soon as they'd done that, Verstappen couldn't do anything else. He just had to hope that he was able to you know, get the tyres to the end, which ultimately, with, what, five or six laps to go, he was put. He came over the radio to say the tyres were dead. It was, it was just a matter of time. For Hamilton to come up, he was hunting him down, wasn't he? It was, it was quite, quite exciting to watch because he saw the times oh, I mean, slowly, it, slowly oh, it was counting down. A and second down, and a half down. per lap, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Relatively speaking, it actually wasn't. It, it was, wasn't a slow catch-up. It was quite a quick catch-up. Um, but it, within 16 laps, I think he. There was at one point. I think there was one lap where I think Verstappen was slightly ahead over mm. the since the pit stop from Hamilton. But other than that, it was a second, almost a second a lap, mm-hmm. right up until he passed him. And, I mean, some people I've heard on online have said that, you know, Red Bull got it wrong, they should have put him the next lap. But like I just stated, there was no way that would have worked, because they came out behind him. And if you're a bit... Uh, uh, and yeah, come out behind him, and then, then you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to overtake Lewis then, and you've got to manage your tyres as well afterwards. Uh, it, it just wouldn't uh, have worked. You no. know, at the end of the day, it's the Hungarian Grand Prix where it's difficult to overtake anyway. Um, and yep. not not to mention, you've got to also take overtake a five-time uh, world champ. Uh, it wasn't going to be the easiest of tasks to do, and it, it would have been a serious... But it, it well, they they just would not have made that call to do that. It, it, nobody would have pitted from first no. to go into second. Um, it just doesn't make sense to do that. Uh, you you could and and also the the Red Bulls aren't as fast in uh, in race trim as the Mercedes. So you've got a mm. number of factors with that. You bring a you bring them in. I'm just uh, it was lap forty nine that Hamilton was brought in and was put into the the, the faster tire. He came out behind him, mm-hmm. 21.2 seconds behind, because it's just came up in the telly there. So he had from lap 49 to 70 to hunt him down. And as you say, it didn't take that many laps. And you, when you, you don't go in to the pits to come out in second place behind Hamilton in Hungary on a fresh mm-hmm. set of soft tyres in a Mercedes. There's, I mean, the, the the Red Bull Honda is a fast car and a good car, but it is not going to pass that 
It's not fast enough. Under so those, it was never going to happen. They had no. to just stay out. Yep. Mm. They had to stay out and just hope. There was no choice. And I've got it in front of me again. So it's lap 50. So he, went, he came into the pits in lap 49. He was 21 seconds behind. By the time he got to lap, to go round to the next lap, he was 19.2. Mm. And that's it. The game's over. Uh, and I think Martin Brundle actually said that when I was watching the race. This is Hamilton. Hamilton's won it. And that was like a, that was two thirds of the 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 outlap. You know, as soon as you hit, as soon as he hit under twenty seconds, it was just the only way that he wasn't going to win that race is if Verstappen punted him, and the two of them went off. Mm-hmm. Which, by the previous battle on lap thirty-eight, the first kind of wheel to wheel battle wasn't going to happen. It was a it was a strategy masterclass by uh, Mercedes and. There's nothing you can do, and I think, as I said to you, the analogy, as I said to you before we were record, we started recording, the best analogy for anyone out there who likes football, it's that strategy call was similar to a, you know, a 35-yard screamer into the top corner. You know, it's just that moment of sheer brilliance that, as a coach and as a, a team strategy in Formula One, you can't do anything about. It. You can't legislate for. It. You can't change anything. Verstappen and Red Bull done everything right. They done everything right that they could. They got it in pole position. He went out and he was in first place by the end of the first lap. He drove as best he could, but the they Mercedes just played that. They, they just... played that extra special chess move, basically. Um, that that Red Bull was just not prepared for. Yep, they played that that one move that uh, if if everything fell together. Yep, if everything fell together, mm-hmm. there's no comeback. There's no way to come back from it. So it was never. It was. It was just you. You couldn't come back from it. It was just that was it. So it's, it, they have to. Red Bull have to take some mm-hmm. positives from the fact that they're in first place again. You know, because you could kind of dismiss mm-hmm. Germany as being a fluke result for them because of the the race. It was a fluke race. Uh, Austria yeah. was a slight was a wee bit more controversial because of the move to get into first place eh, from Max Verstappen. But this was pure racing and a strategy call that, that that done the job for them. But they were there. They were in first. You know, you've got to be at the front for that strategy call to be made. And they forced Mercedes' hand. They they, they done the, they done all they could to force it. If this is how Honda are looking with only one year in a Red Bull, I mean, you imagine if they keep going the way they're going, how the how the progression is going to be. Hopefully, brilliant, yeah. Because it's looking like the Honda is a very, 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 very mm. reliable car, uh, and we all know that for whatever reason, Mercedes seem to be particularly mm-hmm. bulletproof. So, if they can progress better next year, they could overtake Ferrari, and I mean. If everything's perfect, we can have a, a Honda engine, which is a lot closer. It's yeah. still an Adrian Newey designed car, and he might not be as relevant as he has been in the past. Uh, with his cars, seems to be a lot closer together, but it's still an Adrian Newey car. It's always going to be worth something. Uh, and then, if Ferrari can get their act mm-hmm. together, Mercedes are going to be there, we can have a proper three-race battle next season. Because, as you say, and as everybody says... Uh, everybody knows next year's an evolution. There's not going yeah. to be any changes to the regulations next year. So there's a status quo in that regard. 
So it could be a really exciting. Uh, and if if Red Bull can get that, get a, a reliable number two with Max, then races like Hungary would have a different outcome. Where it's where you've got this close racing with what you would like to think Ferrari and you would like to think yeah Mercedes as well that you can utilise your wingmen better. But it bodes well for the future of Formula One as a sport and for Honda and for Red Bull if they're now up there. Because I don't even think Christian Horner believed that they were going to do it this year. I think he's been taken by surprise by how well they've progressed. Lewis Hamilton passes Verstappen here just now there actually in lap 67 so didn't take long and it wasn't a hard it wasn't a difficult pass because uh, there wasn't anything that Verstappen could have done oh no the time could be gone but then then Max gets extra point by you know pitting at that point going for the softer tyre so he could pit, put, a, put in his fastest lap so he could at least get that extra point for the race so that was kind of a consolation prize um, but even on the radio he said you know there's, there's nothing else he could have done. It, 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 at least we got second place. It's a good haul of points, um, and it was. You know, it was a good good race for him, a good race weekend, um, and it's also kind of right for uh, what's the season to come. Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't. Did did Verstappen get the fastest lap? Yeah, I did. I missed. Yeah, that. He, he did. Yeah, oh, well, you'll, no, you'll probably you'll probably see it in a second on the uh, on the replay. <laughs> Yeah, no, Hamilton, Hamilton's got the fastest one just now. I just missed who finally got it. Uh, oh, either they're just coming out to get him in the pits just now for a couple of laps. Yeah. Mm. I missed it. Oh, well. I mean, that, that kind of minimises it a wee bit. I love this point for the fastest lap. I think it's great. Yeah, it adds so that good. extra bit of interest, doesn't it? Rather than the, the last few laps. Yeah, the last few laps of just going round and round. It's, it's more, oh, actually, we've got potential for an extra point here. Let's let's see. Let's try and get it. an extra damage. Right, there's all there's also that thing where if you if your car's outside the top ten, do you bring mm. them in so you can stop one of your front drivers from you know getting that extra point? Because mm. I think Red Bull have said that you know we we thought about it. You know he was in eleventh, we could bring him into the pits. He wasn't going to get twelfth. You know he's not going to drop to twelfth. And if he gets the fastest lap, then yeah, you know it's a point away from from Hamilton or Bottas or something. You know, but yeah, I love that. It's a great wee addition to the. So that's our race review, folks. Hopefully we haven't chatted on a bit too long, um, but it was, a, it was a good race, a strategy race, a strategic race, um, uh, which ultimately led to, to Lewis Hamilton taking top step of the podium. Um, and James Vols or Vowles, however you say his last name, very proud of his, of his call, uh, also on there for the constructor of Mercedes. Um, it was a good race. Uh, we, we, we enjoyed it, and it, it opened quite a bit of debate on the page. We're not going to go into too much detail now about the silly season, because we have got a podcast coming up um, where we'll hopefully have all three of us back, back and talking. Um, hopefully, um, fingers crossed, Sponge will be back to full fitness, and he'll be able to come along and join us for that. Um, what we will do, though, is talk about our fantasy Formula One teams uh, and how we have currently been doing, how we've done, and how the Hungarian Grand Prix has a face of scores. Now, I already know how to share me beforehand. Um, I haven't actually changed my, my Formula 1 team since the start of season. Uh, and I realised the reason I wasn't scoring very well in the Formula 1 is because I had confidence in Pierre Gasly <laughs> at the start of the season. Dear, dear. Um, <laughs> so the reason oh. I'm going down, down, down is because Pierre Gasly is going down and down, down. But that's going to all change now because I've had a, a complete overhaul of my fantasy Formula 1 team. Hopefully now it's going to be a good, a good team to put me in good stead for the rest of the season. I've got every single cross um, that I know better in this part of the season. So you Oops. Yes, I do indeed. So I'm just getting them up just now. Uh, I actually only made one change for this race, and I took out Perez and brought in Carlos Sainz, which helped. 
quite a bit. Oh, that's good. If, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Is he your turbo yeah. as well? So, uh, uh, oh, I don't actually know who my turbo was. I can't even remember who I've, who I'd put in for that. So if I go, I'll, I'll start with Hungary. I'll let you all know how we done for Hungary. So in joint first was frankly does it in me Morgan F1 with 187 points each. Uh, third place was the Unwinnables with 175. Uh, Turbo Dan got 174, and that was tied with a low low at Leclerc, which is bunch. which is 174 as well. Yeah. In sixth place, 150. Yeah, I think that's Sponge, I was going to say. Uh, and then sixth place was Mr. Vane, Everything F1, with 153, which is yourself, Mr. Tiller. Disappointing. Seventh was I've Got to Stop, I've a Lump in My Throat, with 149. British Diamonds, our overall leader, uh, down in eighth place, with 147. Uh, ninth is Hammer Time, with 144. He's tied with JTL Racing and 144. Mm. And then Pearman F1 Racing gets 1-2-1. One, one. So I'll then look at the overall leaderboard. Mm. Yeah, it'll come up here. Yep. So the overall leaderboard, British Diamonds is still sitting at the top of the table with 1905. In second place is Frankly Does It. She's, she did, she had a great run at the start of the season where she was up winning the first few races. Uh, had a few shaky results, but she's just keeping it ticking over. That's the thing. She's just adding to her tally, just enough. Uh, frankly, does it is sitting in second with one six four zero. Third place, I've got to stop. I've a lump in my throat with one six two four. Fourth is the Unwinnables with one five eight zero. Hammer time is in fifth with one five one nine. A lower lower to Zai Leclerc is in sixth with one four eight eight. Mr. Vane Everything F one is one four six seven. Perman Racing one four six four is in eighth place. Ninth is Turbo Dan with one four three eight. And surprise, surprise, I'm in tenth, huh? With one three two one. And JTL Racing is sitting in bottom. Yes, that's it. I didn't have guys. I don't think I've ever picked him, to be honest. So, yep, I'm 10th with 1-3-2-1. And down at the bottom, JTL Racing with 1-2-8-4. So, you guys have got plenty of time to rejig and mess around and try something different or stay... My, uh, just mm -hmm. just to let you know, my turbo was Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, so, Absolutely. not too bad, because I think he got 7th, I think it okay. was, so it was alright. If you want to join, uh, I think there's a link on the page. We'll probably do it again for the start of next season. Hopefully we'll get a few more people in for it as well. So. Well, that's good. So that's the, the the F1 Fantasy. I'm sure we'll put a printed version of that. Well, not a printed uh, version, but uh, we'll, put, we'll pop the actual results on a Facebook post um, and tap, tag it to the top so you can see it uh, and see the actual breakdown of the points. Um, that's all we're going to talk about today. Thank you very much from my co-star Coops today. And thank you very much from me. Uh, this has been Everything F1's podcast, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Say bye-bye. Get well soon, Sponge. Get well soon, Sponge. <laughs> we miss you.